Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We'll get back to talking some jazz basketball. Our friend Alex Kennedy is going to join us uh, coming up at 3.30. Chris Mannix will join us at 4. Kristen Kenny at 4.30. And our friend Jeremiah Jensen from Channel 5 will join us uh, at 5. You know, Mannix was breaking Utah sports slash political news the other day. Gordon, do you see that? What did he? What did he say? Exactly? He, he was reporting about a, a call between Donovan Mitchell uh, and others, and uh, oh, that's right. leaders, mm-hmm. uh, political leaders um, mm-hmm. here in uh, in Utah, including what uh, I think Aaron Mendenhall, Spencer Cox, and uh, I believe the the Speaker of the House was on the Zoom call as well. So uh, interesting. Mannix was the one who had that story over the weekend, though. So we'll talk to Chris about that. And uh, we heard him actually ask Mike Conley a question. So he's right down there in the bubble. He's dialed into what's going on with the Jazz, and he'll be on the show at 4. But, Gordon, we need to talk about this. Um, a report from John Wilner in the San Jose Mercury News, and he's done a bunch of work on this report, including, uh, what do they call it, Grandma, FOIA? What's the, what's the right one, Gordon, when you're going for emails? Grandma? Yeah. I get, I'm not sure, to tell you the truth. Probably. Sounds about right. So he's he's basically unearthed a bunch of emails uh, going back and forth between university presidents and uh, really some other alumni who have uh, the opinions on the matter that they're seeking. But basically, this report is saying that um, the the Pac-12 is considering, at least this has not been uh, done exactly, not yet anyway, considering hiring an outside consultant that re- would report to the presidents and not to Larry Scott. Now, in this report, they discuss the the range of that scope is what they are deciding on currently, how much of this consultant would be exactly consulting on. And it could be as dramatic as uh, could be looking at everything. Yes. And the problems are all the things that you have so uh, well documented in the past, as we've talked about these issues plaguing the Pac-12 and the timing of it. But if I were if I were Larry Scott, I'd be pretty nervous right about now because there's been the complaints. There's been the lack of productivity out of the networks. There's been questions about his leadership. And when you're bringing in perhaps who's this guy, Randy Freer? Is that how you say his name? That's the leading candidate or, or yeah. supposedly uh, the first choice. Yeah. And they have. Well, he's they, they, they are sort of looking at him. And when you're bringing in someone like that. The guy who has been running the shop for quite some time, I think, better be nervous and and probably is nervous because I think those presidents have been patient and they've they've given Larry Scott some time to get this thing improved. And now they're going, wait a second, we need somebody and not just somebody who's a lieutenant of Larry's. We need somebody who will tell us the truth. And tell us, advise us as to what is the best course of action moving forward, whether it be with or without Larry Scott. So they were they were given some recommendations, Gordon, um, from these four alumni that they talked to. One from USC, Colorado, Cal, and UCLA who have various expertise in um, you know that would be useful in this situation, including. Uh, 
Jeff Smolian, who of uh, who was the CEO of MS Communication, or Jim Packer, the president of Worldwide TV at Lionsgate, some other people that that would have you know insight into some advice here, and uh, gave it to, to these these presidents. The president of Colorado was emailing other presidents, and he said this: "This is what I'd be worried about with with Larry Scott because they're deciding who to consider to hire as a consultant." He said, "However, if it is uh, the entire structure and composition of the Pac-12 as we." discussed on the call, then I wonder whether consultants whose main experience is from the business uh, is from the business world would be appropriate. Our values go beyond maximizing revenue, or at least they did prior to current financial issues. Uh, so we don't know exactly what the entire structure and composition of the Pac-12 means, but that's probably not really great language for Larry Scott. And I was joking with uh, joking with everybody in the studio about this today, Gordon. You know what this reminds me of? You know what this is that happened today? Are you familiar with the early 2000s movie Office Space? You know what I'm talking about? Is that the one when the guy comes in and he's interviewing him and uh, about his experience there in the office? What would you say? You do here. Yeah, it's about yeah. an office where they hire consultants to come in. <laughs> and that clip right there is from the consultants interviewing everybody about, like, so why do you think you're employed here? <laughs> and then the consultants basically are the, you know, grim reapers that fire half the building, right? But isn't, I mean, the, that, isn't the guy who doesn't care at all and he just starts Yes, who the consultants off. love. Yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> The consultants love the guy with the well, terrible see, attitude, yeah. And that's that's what hasn't been happening in the Pac-12 enough. Uh, it has been sort of a uh, – uh, the way it's been run, you haven't had enough of those independent voices really <laughs> making a difference. So. Well, can you picture the consultant sitting Larry down and saying, hey, Lair, uh, we see that you're the commissioner. What would you say you do here? You're also running a network and uh, – uh, tell us about what you do to run the conference in the network, because the network the, isn't going so well. What's the boss's name who always says, you know, it would be really great. It's Lundberg. <laughs> well, we've got Alex Lundberg here, who's never seen the movie, by the way, but he knows of that character. Every day of my life. Yeah. But uh, the, the what, what is the line that he so says so famously? He's like, we're gonna uh, we're gonna need you to come in on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> that would be really great. And you just want to punch him because it's kind of a passive-aggressive kind of attitude. Now, in in these emails, it is kind of funny. They say, we'll consult with Larry on basically, you know, they, they were nice to Larry in some of the emails. Like, okay, Larry's a part of this. This isn't specifically to, you know, combat against Larry Scott. But it's pretty obvious what their intent, or at least the intent of what they're considering is and to be honest, they at least and you read through some of these emails, you know, uh, they realize how immediate the decision has to be because you either have to, like we've talked about, Gordon, you either have to give Larry Scott an extension and give him the authority to dictate uh, dictate the the media rights strategy, or you have to move on to somebody else. In fact, you can yeah. make a really good argument that they should forget all this consultant nonsense and just move on. I mean, this is because really what they're doing here, right, Gordon? I mean, you, you're a captain of industry. You have more uh, experience in these things than I do. But aren't they really just giving themselves an excuse to make the, de the decision that they want? That's what it feels like. Right. Doesn't yeah. it feel that way? We're going to bring somebody else in and they're going to tell us that Larry's doing a bad job, which we know anyway. But it'll <laughs> give us, you know, like, oh, we did our due diligence and he does stink at his job. We're out. Yes. You know, doesn't it feel that way to you? 
Well, what do you think he's going to do? You think the consultants are going to come in and go, oh, yeah, it's peachy keen. It's perfect the way it is. Right. Or they wouldn't have hired the consultant in the first exactly. place. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it's going to be like it's going to be like office space. It's going to be Larry. <laughs> what exactly uh, would you say you do here? <laughs> and all those all those uh, Larry Scott lieutenants that haven't taken pay cuts uh, sitting in their big offices in San Francisco, they're going to get the bobs sitting them down. Well, what is it the, uh, you'd say you guys do here exactly? <laughs> well, what we try to do is rearrange what happens on the field with the officials so that it goes the way we want it to. <laughs> Oop. And then when that becomes a, a mess, we try to handle it as terribly as possible. That's our strategy. And Larry says, I made really bad decisions about our network, and uh, I, uh, oh, and I took a loan so I could buy a nice house in the Bay Area, which I haven't paid back yet. Well, I, I, I did that. Honestly, as Larry, you know, we can criticize Larry and the job he's done, and, and it's pretty easy to do these days. But one thing working against him is that out of all the presidents uh, at the universities in the league, there's only two left of the presidents that hired him. So it's like a similar problem when you're a head coach and you lose your GM, you know? You, I, you don't I know keep, what the next wave or the next GM's going to do. I, I keep referring back to this, and I want to keep it as vague as possible, but I, I got a letter from uh, a former president in the Pac-12, and that letter, what was in that letter, I'll respect uh, uh, some anonymity here, but it was remarkable to me the amount of criticism of Larry Scott. And uh, so there has been, there's been rumbling for quite some time. And uh, now it just looks like it's pushing that in that direction. If I were Larry, I would, uh, I'd be sharpening up that resume looking for something else, but he's made, he's made over $5 million a year for how long, how long has he been commissioner? Yeah. What, it over, 12 years? Yeah, 12 like years. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but he's, but it's expensive living in the Bay Area. Uh, I mean, well, here's here's honestly the problem he's got from a PR standpoint, and that he's so blind to all this is really a, a part of a bigger problem. But nobody likes Nero, right? Nobody likes the, the, the emperor that's playing the fiddle while, while Rome burns. And I get back to one seemingly innocuous anecdote, but it, it just screamed to me what this guy's attitude was all about. Do you remember when the, the finances and that story was hitting the fan? This was a, a couple of years ago about the lavish spending, and he was getting yep. a big, big-time criticism. And then the Pac-12 tournament happened down in Las Vegas, and he stayed in he himself took a private jet there and stayed in the most lavish room on the strip. I don't even remember what the I don't even remember what the total bill or what it was totally worth. It was like thousands of dollars a night. Didn't he change it though at the last minute or didn't he feel some pressure? He felt pressure. Later? I don't think he changed it. And the the dodge was, well, this was like trade with the city, right? Or whatever hotel. I mean, they had already paid for the room, so somebody's gotta stay there. But it's like that somebody doesn't have to be you, Larry. You know what I mean? That somebody you can you can pile into the family truckster and head to Vegas and stay in the circus circus like the rest of us for a weekend. I think you're going to be fine, and let that room go vacant or or give it to your your employee of the month or whatever. It just if you're getting criticized for basically living high on the hog off the network dime, what you can't do is you yourself stay there, you bozo. <laughs> You know what I mean? That he doesn't have, like, this self-awareness to be like, wait a minute. 
And then every time you hear him, Gordon, and at the beginning, you know, 12 years ago, it's kind of charming, but now it just seems disingenuous. Every time he talks, it's everything is so great. Well, yeah, exactly. And I remember standing right in front of the man asking him questions and others were asking him questions. And you would have thought that what storm? There's no storm. We we won a uh, we won a, a diving title this year. What are you talking about? <laughs> Things are going great. I can't tell you how many times he used the phrase "conference of champions," you know. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, "Is anybody really home?" You know what? What? <laughs> He's like a robot. At some point, you got to be real about what your problems are, and maybe that is part of the issue at hand here. But uh, any organization where you allow arrogance to float to the top and reside there for a long time, you're asking for trouble. And it may, it may trouble might not come right away. It may take a year. It may take 10 years. But sooner or later, it's going to bite you in the butt. And I think that's what's happened at the Pac-12. There were some people there, Larry included, who thought he was smarter than other people, quite arrogant, and uh, things started to fall apart underneath him. And now they're in the situation they're in now with uh, bringing consultants in to try and figure out the mess so that they have an excuse just to change everything around. Larry, we're going to have you come in here and meet with the Bobs. These are the Bobs who brought them in as consultants. We're going to figure out how we can streamline this thing a little bit better. You just you just talk with these guys about, uh, you know, what it is you do here. Do we have any more sound from that movie? Now you've whetted everyone's appetite. Uh, I think we need yeah, to hear a, a little more. Yeah, it's a great hey, Lundy, movie. come on, get on it. Do we got more? That scene where they take the the acting up printer out into the field and smash it after they get fired <laughs> is is one of the greatest scenes ever. I wonder if the the you know like the new generation can really remember or, or know how awful printers at workplaces <laughs> were back in the late '90s, early 2000s. And half the people in the office weren't quite sure how they worked. Oh, yeah, no clue or whatever. You remember uh, getting covered in ink with ink cartridges that for some reason weren't, like, closed? You know what I remember? Or or, or how about um, uh, paper that was all connected and had the little circles on the side? Oh, yeah. You know what uh, I'm talking about? Uh, the, that kind of paper yeah. that, that jammed every five seconds. You couldn't get a quarter of the way through a page <laughs> printing without it jamming up and being basically useless forever. But what does that tell you about... I think there is some truth in the message that's sent there by the employee, the, 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 ma the main guy who essentially just didn't give a flying you-know-what and just spoke straightforward and, and, and truth and didn't worry about covering his butt, and that's the guy everybody loves? Uh, too many people are just trying to say the thing that they think people want to hear him say. Well, if you remember that movie correctly, though, that guy turned into, you know, a terrible employee. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they recognized it or not. <laughs> well, that's what's I got to do with it. Yeah, right. It's all about, uh, you know, pulling the wool over the, bo the Bob's eyes. And that's what Larry's <laughs> going to try and do. Larry's going to be like, I'm worth every penny of that, Bob's.
Um, all right. We want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Uh, they have the pro- uh, proven in lab tests to remove more dirt and soils than other methods. Their powered water cleaning means no soap, no shampoos, and no toxic chemicals. Schedule your Zero Res cleaning today, 801-288-9376. We'll have uh, more Big Show coming up next. We'll talk to our friend Alex Kennedy straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, let's talk a little hoop, shall we? Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Makes the magic happen for basketballnews.com. Welcome and back to the Big Show. He is Alex Kennedy. What's going on, Alex? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, we are doing great. Uh, we want to ask you about the Jazz and the playoffs, but I uh, want to get your thoughts first on kind of what we've seen over the past week, week and a half, as this uh, the bubble seemed to be teetering a little bit, uh, only to regain uh, and replay or restart play over the weekend. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty interesting. You know, I think uh, the big thing for the players is just making sure that they could actually see some, you know, tangible change. Uh, I think the social reform coalition that they ended up, uh, you know, f- uh, creating uh, is a really smart idea. I love that they're turning, you know, different NBA arenas into voting sites. So I feel like for the players, it was just making sure that this was a priority for the league and, and for the owners. I think, uh, you know, the... I think what they did was a success. You know, the fact that the very next day, you know, you had the Board of Governors meet and uh, and determine, you know, they need to do these things. Um, you know, we, we heard that some players were having issues with the bubble and there's, you know, a lot of guys that were struggling with some mental health components of it. Uh, you know, Paul George talked about his depression. LeBron, George, or, uh, LeBron James said that he considered leaving the bubble uh, basically on a daily basis. So I think there were a lot of factors that kind of went into this. It wasn't just, uh, you know, the Jacob Blake situation or the, um, the fact that the players really wanted to see change. I think guys are really struggling with the bubble, too. You know, it's, a, it's, it's tough when you're away from your family for that long. You know, now recently the family members and friends were allowed to come stay in the bubble for the second round of the playoffs. But these guys went a long time away from family and friends. They were on their own. You know, their life revolved around their job. You know, I've said throughout this whole process, that's a lot to ask from an employer, you know, for them to say, hey, we need you to focus on work nonstop, and then you're going to go back to your hotel room and then do it all again the next day. So I think there were a lot of factors that guys were kind of considering, and there's a lot of frustration, but it's good to see they were able to come together and uh, get on the same page as the owners and, you know, resume the season. So from going to really important issues to less significant ones, like basketball itself, I want to get your thoughts on what's going on with the Jazz and the Nuggets, man. This has been crazy. The Jazz win three straight, and now the Nuggets threatening to do likewise to uh, close out the series. How difficult will it be for the Jazz to regain control in this last game? Well, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I know, you know, Utah fans are are probably very frustrated right now after winning three straight games to, to drop the next two to, you know, have some questionable effort uh, and to have Jamal Murray just go off and, and be able to do whatever he wants on the floor. You know, it wasn't even the fact that, you know, he uh, scored 50 points. It was the fact that he was 17 of 24 from the field and 9 of 12 from the three-point line. I mean, he was just super efficient and uh, not really missing at all out there. So, yeah, I mean, certainly Denver has the momentum right now. 
Um, but, you know, Utah knows they can beat this team. They've done it throughout this series. Uh, we've seen Donovan Mitchell really have a, a coming out party and show that he's a, a superstar level player. I know locally, you know, Jazz fans have known that for, for some time now, but it always felt like he was somewhat underrated nationally. Um, but I think the big thing is just slowing down Jamal Murray. I mean, he's been phenomenal in this series. I know uh, Quinn Snyder and, and Mike Conley talked about, you know, throwing different defensive coverages at him. Um, I think, you know, throwing Mike Conley on him can't be a bad idea. Whenever they acquired Conley, it was he was going to be the piece that kind of took them to the next level, and he's a two-way player. But really we've seen, you know, a lot of Royce O'Neal and other players on Jamal Murray. So I wonder if they try Conley on Murray. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited. I think the bubble has created a really interesting atmosphere where scoring is up. We're seeing some phenomenal pro- scoring performances from teams and players. Uh, we did an article on basketballnews.com where Vinny Del Negro wrote about the bubble and just why we're seeing so many crazy offensive performances in the bubble and i think it's i think there's a number of factors you know you have these guys aren't traveling back and forth across the country they're not on red-eye flights so they're not tired they're well rested in their hotel rooms you know you have they're, they're basically playing on the same rims and baskets every day rather than having to adjust to different arenas um there are you know it's, it's been really interesting uh, to see this in this atmosphere in the bubble and i'm really curious to see what a game seven looks like in the bubble too just because there's no fans there. It's going to be a really unique atmosphere. So I'm really excited. I think uh, this has been one of the best series uh, in quite some time, uh, and we'll see what happens in Game 7. So, Alex, I, I want to ask you this question. I, I apologize if it's a little bit out, out of the blue, but a couple of years ago, another time, number place, you wrote a number of different kind of behind-the-scenes type articles, which I, I loved. I found them so fascinating. You, you did behind-the-scenes of agents and free agent players and, and uh, front office people, and I thought they were really, really good. So with that kind of in mind and as dialed in as you are to kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, what do you think this bubble has, has been like from, say, the perspective of an agent or, or somebody like that? Well, first of all, I appreciate the kind words. That really means a lot. Um, I think this has been a really interesting experiment. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions about what next year looks like for the NBA. You know, obviously the NFL is just talking about kind of still having teams travel. You know, there may not be fans of the games, but they're kind of proceeding like it's a normal year, just minus the fans. So, but there have been questions about whether the NBA bubble is going to be more of a long-term solution until there's, you know, a vaccine or something like that in place, or if it's just, hey, let's finish this postseason and then move on. But to answer your question, you know, I think it's a really interesting atmosphere. Uh, you know, you have the media there. I know a lot of agents aren't in the bubble, actually, and some of them want it to be, but uh, really they're trying to keep the bubble as small as possible. And that's why uh, that's why the family and friends weren't allowed early on. You know, basically, if you didn't get to the second round of the playoffs, you know, you didn't see your family and friends until you went home. So it's really a space issue. Uh, once the second round got there and enough teams and players were eliminated and going home, that's when they let some family and friends in and and, you know, certainly some agents, I'm sure, you know, fall into that category and are are there. But it's it's been interesting. I know the executives have felt a little distant from their teams. Um, the, the agents have been a bit frustrated. But it's been an adjustment for everyone. Uh, I did an uh, uh, interview with Quinn Cook recently from the Los Angeles Lakers, and he talked about uh, his experience in the bubble. And he said, you know, basically guys are just together 24-7. You know, they're eating every meal together. Then they're back in their hotel playing Madden. Then they're watching TV shows together. Then they're up at night playing cards and just telling stories and everything. And, you know, he said that it feels like an AAU team where you're traveling all, you know, all together and you're just, you know, with each other all the time and you don't want really to take breaks from each other. So 
you know, for some teams, that can really hurt them. You know, some teams, uh, they uh, aren't the best of friends or don't have the best chemistry. And while they make it work on the court, they're not super close. But for some teams that are close, uh, it's, it's been great. You know, that's one thing that, that Quinn talked about. He said that the Lakers seem closer than ever. And I think they've been through so many things this season as a team, um, whether you talk about, you know, Kobe Bryant's tragic passing, uh, the, the pandemic, uh, just everything that's kind of happened, they've really come together. So for some teams, I think it can bring you together. For some teams, I think guys start getting sick of each other a bit. So it's been really, really fascinating. I think the bubble uh, is a really unique environment, and I'm curious to see if it becomes a long-term thing where we see the next season or two also take place in a bubble somehow or if it's just a short-term fix. Alex, what's your opinion on on uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, that combination? Those guys are held to such a high standard because of the stars of the team. And so you compare them to the stars on other teams. Do you like that combination? And do you think it'll work well for the Jazz, not just now, but moving forward? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, let's start with Mitchell. I think what he's done in this postseason has been phenomenal. Um, you know, he's been able to do basically whatever he wants and he's been much better in the pick and roll not only is he scoring the ball really well i think he's gotten better at facilitating for others you know his numbers this season he's improved pretty much across the board you know gotten better as a facilitator more efficient shooting the ball um you know his turnovers are down so it's it's what you want to see from a 23 year old really you know stepping into his own i think he's you know emerging as a star player um i saw someone the other day i forget who it was it was a former player but they said that he was Dwayne Wade with a three-point shot. So, I mean, he certainly looks like that right now. I think that's high praise, and you know, I'm not sure I would go that far, but I've been extremely impressed with Mitchell. And I think his, uh, his performances in some of these clutch moments, too, has been really impressive. That was one thing that I noticed in the, uh, the seeding games. His, he was scoring a ton of clutch points and really just stepping up in those moments. I think you know, his points per 100 possessions in crunch time was really, really impressive. And then, sure enough, he was able to make that translate into clutch performances in the playoffs as well. So I'm a big Mitchell fan. You know, I think at 23 years old, it's been pretty amazing to see what he's doing. Rudy Gobert is someone that I like a lot. You know, Rudy is a friend of mine, so I'm a bit biased here. Uh, but I think, you know, what he does defensively is just incredible. Um, I think uh, he's gotten better offensively. I think a lot of people, you know, obviously, whenever you win multiple defensive player of the year awards, everyone just focuses on your defense. But, you know, he has improved. Uh, as an offensive player. My thing is, when I look at this team and, and whether or not, you know, Mitchell and, and Gobert is enough to, say, contend for a championship, I think they need more help. You know, you look at the top teams around the NBA right now, and you either have to have multiple star players like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, or you need to have, you know, uh, an amazing supporting cast. You know, that's kind of what we saw with Toronto last year, where Kawhi Leonard was playing out of his mind, but then you also had Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and Serge Ibaka, you know, Marcus Gasol, all these pieces that were around them. You know, I think uh, they need to add one more, you know, star-level player or just, you know, be able to improve that supporting cast a bit. So I, I actually think Mitchell and Gobert are, are great together. You know, there were some questions, I know, whenever the COVID stuff started, but uh, and there were, you know, thoughts about whether they had to break the team up. You know, I'm not someone who believes that is necessary. Um, I would just try to build around those two going forward. All right, Alex, before we let you go, do uh, give us uh, tell us for a minute about basketballnews.com. I'm, I'm looking here on your bio, chief content officer. No big deal. Moving up in the world, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we launched on Friday. It's super exciting. Uh, we basically have a staff that is made up of 
uh, journalists such as myself, Spencer Davies, Nikias Duncan, but then we also have current former NBA players on our staff. So Kenyon Martin, James Posey, Atan Thomas, Vinny Del Negro, Troy Brown Jr., and they're all writers and podcasters for the site. So we have a lot of player-driven content where guys are, you know, taking you behind the scenes, like you mentioned before, uh, and they're just, you know, analyzing the NBA. So we're really excited. You know, we have articles, podcasts, videos. We're going to have long-form content like documentaries and web series eventually. So it's a, it's a really exciting time. We're going to continue adding players to our staff too. So uh, definitely check it out, basketballnews.com. I got it up in front of me. It's a it's a great looking website. Uh, you've got the staff right there. It's, it looks like you've got some great minds, some great writers doing it. We'll uh, we'll have to make it into a, a daily stop for us. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Hey, we well, appreciate Alex, you, Alex. If it makes Jake smarter as far as basketball I need goes, it. it's well worth it. I need know? it. <laughs> uh, I hope it does. I hope it does. Hey, well, thanks, Alex. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, that's Alex Kennedy, uh, Chief Content Officer of BasketballNews.com. I like that title, Gordon. <laughs> you, you know, you're you're a big deal over there at the Salt Lake Tribune, but I don't know if you're Chief Content Officer yet. I'm not chief of anything. <laughs> no, they, haven't, chief of they anything, haven't given man. you that title. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I'm the dumbest one in my family, and everybody knows it. I mean... <laughs> Come on! You think every, uh, every chief of nothing? You think everybody over there at the the trib is just petrified at the thought of of giving you some sort of real authority over there? Um, do you think I would abuse it? I don't know. I'm asking you the question. See, I, I as much as I observe leadership uh, in sports and and what they do. I would not want to uh, be in charge of employment of a bunch of other people. What do you think, say, like, uh, what do you think Walden's reaction would be if they came to him and said, hey, guess what? Gordon's your new boss. (laughs) Uh, How do you think he would? How do you think he would respond? I don't know. Why don't you ask him next time he's on with us? Uh, That no need. It's not a threat. No, you know, I rule. I look. I, 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 I lead in my own way. I see. All right. I see. Okay. <laughs> I don't. You do. I don't need. <laughs> I don't need a title. No. You know. I just. No. I just. I'm a behind the scenes kind of guy. You that just, are. I'm an influencer. You know. <laughs> You're an influencer. Okay. <laughs> Oh, but man, yeah, Alex was great. We'll get that up online. Uh, But yeah, check it out. I've got it in front of me. It's a good-looking website, Gordon. Basketballnews.com. Basketballnews.com. All right, we'll have more coming up straight ahead. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280. We're going to work on our leadership around here. The zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up next at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Chris Chris down there in the bubble covering it for Sports Illustrated. In fact, he was uh, there at Jazz Media Availability today, Gordon, asking questions in person and also uh, broke some jazz news over the weekend. So good day to talk to our friend Chris Mannix. So stay tuned for that coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour. Yes, we're at a very intriguing moment in this uh, bubble experiment down there. And for the Jazz in the playoffs, can they gather themselves and uh, meet a formidable challenge? And I got to tell you, man, the way Jamal Murray is playing right now, I 
I, in my, in my, uh, well, what's it been? 75 years of watching basketball now. I do not recall very many series like this one. I, I mean, those kinds of performances. I've seen some great play out of the stars, but my goodness, this stuff is exceptional. I'll tell you what, Gordon, out of all your controver- uh, controversial opinions, that uh, was not one of them. Uh, because no. uh, we've never seen a series, literally never seen a series before to have two different players have two different games of 50-plus points. It's no, never I happened. Speaking, I was speaking more specifically to Jamal Murray, and, and I mean, I saw Jordan get his 63, um, and it, it's it, there have been these times where really spectacular things happen. But I am watching this game after game after game, and I'm thinking, how in the world do you stop that? And I don't have an answer, and I guess we'll see if the Jazz do. Well, a lot of people out there, including uh, Charles, what on TNT, say you, you get the ball out of his hands. You run a double team at him. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of that in game number seven because I don't think, you know, Jamal himself was saying it that they don't really have anybody that can guard him one-on-one. So, so who's, how yeah, do you fix a, that? Yeah, it's a great it's a great way of doing it because who would you fear more? Uh, another Nuggets player being open or Jamal Murray having two guys draped on him? Right. Well, really what you're saying is we'll we'll give up open shots to say Jeremy Grant, who was also good yesterday, right. by the way. He was. Um, we'd rather have Jeremy Grant shooting wide open than Jamal Murray shooting one-on-one against Royce O'Neal, for example. Indeed. So the problem is if you if you if you send two guys at Jamal, will he just finagle away around them? Got to try something. Um, you gotta you gotta try something. And actually, well, may, we'll we'll have to get to this a little later on in the show because we're a little strapped for time. But Steve Cleveland was on with DJ and PK this morning, mm-hmm. and I, I thought he had an amazing comparison. His his he he compared it to his uh, his uh, game against Syracuse. Remember at BYU in the in the NCAA tournament. And uh, they were playing against Jim Beheim, and he was basically talking about adjustments. And just to sum it up, and again, we can get to this a little later on in the show, he said, you know, sometimes drastic times call for drastic measures. And just who was because. That? What was the name of that kid who hit all those shots? McNamara. Yeah. But Steve was saying that Mac- McNamara, as great as he was, was not necessarily the difference in that game. Uh, Beeline, uh, not Beeline, who am I? Beheim, excuse me. Uh, mm-hmm. Jim Beheim from Syracuse uh, ditched his. Patnet zone and went man-to-man on BYU when BYU was up 12 or something and they were putting it on them and uh, just shooting the lights out. And Syracuse went, went man-to-man on them, something that uh, Beheim told Coach Cleveland he had never done in all his years in NCAA tournament games, had never gone to man-to-man. That's what they did. And Steve was saying that was the difference in the game, talking about how, hey, you've got a matchup and something's not going well. Well, throw the game plan out the window, and you got to go with what's going to win you the basketball game. And if that's running the ball out of Jamal Murray's hands, then that's what you got to do. I think. Well, I, I, I mean, you can't let him beat you. Yeah. And and one thing that this has proven to me, Gordon, and maybe this is this is nuts, and tell me tell me if you think it is, but I think in a way it's really proven that fans do have a big impact on games. Do you think fans would be slowing Jamal Murray down? I don't think he he. What has he gone for now? Fifty, forty, and fifty in the last three games. I don't know if he does that in normal circumstances. 
And maybe it's travel. Maybe you don't give the credit to the fans. Maybe, maybe it's, it's travel. Maybe it's different gyms. Maybe whatever it is. But you give them the same gym in a practice environment. We've seen practice before, Gordon. They never miss. Yeah. Should we really be surprised that in this environment, you know, offenses are going nuts and Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell can't miss? I mean, this is probably what they do down at the old ZBBC every time they practice, you know? Well, there are plenty of other jazz players who are missing. I'm talking about these two players in specific. <laughs> I though. know. Because I we've know. never, to, to your point originally, we've never seen anything like this. Never. Well, I mentioned it earlier, and uh, Charles is saying that uh, I think that uh, that's what the jazz have to do. They have to shake this thing up. And if somebody is going to hurt them and beat them, then let them do it. But do not let Jamal Murray do what he's been doing. Because if he goes for 50 again in Game 7, the Jazz are cooked. All right, stay tuned. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. He'll be live from the bubble. Coming up next, it is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.